I'm John Carter in Moscow, in Havana, Cuba. Now in Kiev, the capital of Ukraine. I'm John Carter in Petra, right here in communist China, reporting from India. Hi, I'm John Carter in the Solomon Islands. I'm John Carter in Soweto, from El Salvador. I'm John Carter in Sydney, Australia. John Carter examines the ordination of women. Today, we're talking about the ordination of women. We've discovered the word ordination in the Bible is really not there. The word is appointing. So the Bible talks about the appointing of people for one purpose, and that is to preach the gospel. I want you to come with me in the Bible to Galatians chapter 3 and verse 28 and 29. This is a key passage. Galatians 3, 28, 29. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed, heirs according to the promise. The Bible says that in Christ Jesus, men and women may be different, but they are equal. That is the teaching of the Word of God. And I say surely we all can agree with this. Now we're picking up from where we left off in the last segment. So we're coming now to question two. We had question one in the first segment. Here it is. How were women treated in the Bible? What does the Bible got to say that women, how were they treated? Well, woman was made the queen of creation. She was God's crowning glory. Spurgeon said, if Adam was dust refined, then woman was dust doubly refined. And so she was the crowning glory of God's creation. Listen to this. This is tremendously important. This sort of has overwhelmed me as I've studied this. Because of sin, it was predicted that woman would be the servant of man. She'd be the slave of man. How do you like that, ladies? It was predicted, and God said it. If you look at Genesis chapter 3 and verse 16. Genesis chapter 3, verse 16. To the woman, he, God said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. God said that woman was going to be subservient to the man. And all the men in their darkness said, Hallelujah, praise the Lord. Listen to me. It was not God's original intent. But sin brought injustice, slavery, degradation, and inequality. Now Genesis chapter 3 talks about the curse of sin, which is servitude. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 16. But hallelujah, I'm getting on a roll here. 
Genesis 3.16 is the curse, but John 3.16 is the blessing. And John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. The curse of Genesis 3.16 is taken away by the blessing of John 3.16. Now let me talk about this a little bit more. The coming of Christ changed everything. Some people are living under the old covenant. When Jesus came, he said, took a long time for this to get into our dumb heads. He said, no more slavery. No more bondage of women. No more fear, no more inequality, no more curse. John 3.16 did away with Genesis 3.16. I want you to come with me now to Galatians chapter 3 and verse 13, and it talks about the curse of sin. What did I say? It's Galatians chapter 3 and it's verse 13. Look at this text. The Bible says... Christ has redeemed us from the curse. Did you hear this? Anybody listening out there? It says Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. When he hung on the tree, he became, using the Greek word, he became the propitiation for sin. He became the propitiation. The wrath of God rolled over his sinless soul as the curse was laid on Christ. Some person will say, no, no curse was laid on Christ. If the curse was not laid on Christ, the curse will be laid on you and on me. Cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. And a part of that curse, let me talk to you about this curse. The curse of the law, this is good theology. The curse of the law is sin that is manifested in every evil, including slavery, polygamy, and the subjugation of women. He shall rule over you. The words of God to Eve were a part of the curse. That curse is taken away in Christ because he bore the curse. What's wrong with us men? But old customs and ideas die slow, painful, agonizing deaths. Slavery is condoned in both the Old and the New Testaments. You say, no, it's not. Yes, it is. Slavery is condoned in the Bible. The subservience of women is condoned in the Bible. It's a part of the curse. Look at Colossians 3, 22 and chapter 4 and verse 1. Colossians 3, 22. Bond servants, that means slaves. This is toning it down. Bond servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleases, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. The Bible doesn't say, let the slaves go. It says, obey your masters. Look at the next one. Masters, give your bondservants what is just and fair, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. The Bible condones 
slavery and uh, polygamy. The Americans in the southern states used these Bible texts to justify the keeping of slaves. The Christians waved their Bibles and they said, back into servitude. Because they did not understand the love of God. Over in England, there was a man by the name of Wilberforce and he fought the slave trade. The Slave Trade Act was passed in 1807 and then the Slavery Abolition, Get Rid of It All Act of 1833, years before the American Civil War. And so slavery is condoned because it was the custom of the time, like the servitude of women. Even in New Testament times, women were sometimes treated as inferior to men. And men are still quoting those texts. <laughs> now, I want you to look at those texts. 1 Corinthians 14, 34 and 35. 1 Corinthians 14, 34 and 35. Look at this, ladies. Let your women keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but they are to be submissive, as the law also says. And if they want to learn something, let them ask their own husbands at home, for it is shameful for women to speak in church. 1 Timothy 2, verses 11 and 12. Let a woman learn in silence with all submission, and I do not permit a woman to teach or to have authority over man, but to be in silence. Now, there was a time when everybody obeyed this. I want to tell you folks something. I want you to listen up and I want you to listen up good. This was a custom of the times. Hear what I'm saying? It was a custom of the times like slavery and it is God's will that his children abandon those ideas and practices that are the result of the curse of sin, the bondage of women. Now, question number three. Some would say it's controversial, only controversial because they've never thought these things through. Here's the question. Is the Bible culturally conditioned? In other words, does it reflect the culture of its time? Listen to this. I don't want to throw you. The Bible was not written to us. Oh, somebody says, yeah, it's written to me. No, the Bible was not written to us. It was written for us. But it wasn't written to us. The Bible, I believe, is the infallible word of God, but it reflects the culture of its times. Slavery is a prime example. God take, takes people where they are, the Bible, my friend, is not the end of a journey. It's the beginning of a journey into truth. The Ten Commandments. Now, I know some folks are going to get mad about this because they don't understand it. The Ten Commandments are eternal. The Ten Commandments cannot be changed. But customs change. Women now speak in church and do not always wear hats. When I was a young guy, all the ladies wore hats. My wife, Beverly, had a flock of hats. And if you sat at the back of a big church, 
If a giraffe had walked across the stage, you would not have seen the giraffe. <laughs> there were so many hats because it was considered a sin not to wear a hat to church. But they don't wear hats now. Are they all sinners? No, the custom has changed. The Ten Commandments are eternal but not man-made customs. In my church, once years ago, you couldn't get ordained unless you had a beard. Then later on, you couldn't get ordained if you had a beard. This is true. People say, no, no, we never change. You don't? These are temporary customs and the Bible reflects the culture of its day. Question number four. Are women less intelligent and less spiritual than men? The very question is an affront to the senses. The question is insulting, but it shall be answered because people back in the 19th century would not allow women to vote in England because they said they weren't as smart as men. Consider some great women in history, would you please? Margaret Thatcher, Maggie Thatcher, the Prime Minister of Great Britain, the special friend of President Ronald Reagan and President George Bush Sr. On one occasion when they wanted her to change in Parliament, she said, this lady is not for turning. She was worth a hundred Englishmen. Angela Merkel, Chancellor of Germany, the daughter of a minister, a woman of courage, faith, integrity, and compassion. She's not running a popularity contest. Queen Elizabeth, who defeated the Spanish Armada. What's the Spanish Armada? That's when the Church of Rome sent this great fleet of ships to destroy Protestant Britain. She said, I may have the body of a woman, but in my heart is the heart of an English king. She was worth a few kings. Queen Elizabeth. And then Queen Victoria and our present Queen Elizabeth II, the longest reigning monarch, a woman of great courage and decency. Great Bible characters, Mary the mother of the Messiah, God entrusted his son to a girl. But some of us will not entrust the appointing to preach to women. Mary Magdalene, Christ's special friend who stood at the cross and was the, at the first at the resurrection, who outdid the apostles. Phoebe, Priscilla and other women who were the servants of God and helped establish the church. I've got a whole series on this called The Lady Game Changers. Look at it on Roku, YouTube, Amazon Fire, our website, whatever. Of special mention for us today is a little American lady by the name of Ellen White, one of the most prolific female writers of modern times, a visionary and co-founder of a worldwide church. Why didn't God get a man? Well, he tried to. She carried ministerial credentials but was never ordained by human hands because she was ordained by God. It could be said, Christ the Son of God hath sent me all the widespread lands. Mine the mighty ordination 
of the nail pierced hand. That's the ordination these young women have in China. That's the ordination that really counts. That is God's appointing. Remember the word anoint, uh, ordination is a bad translation. It's the appointing. Maybe we need to clarify the definition. Question five. Are there unqualified women pastors who brought shame upon the church? I've been told, oh, haven't you heard about the lady who called herself Joan the Baptist and she ran off with her secretary? Hey, have you heard of the pedophile scandals in the Catholic Church? The thousands and thousands of pedophile priests. How many ladies involved? None. If we refuse to ordain or appoint women because some have been unworthy, then we should stop ordaining men. Because plenty of men have messed up. Hey, let's get real. Who was opposed to the ordination or the appointing of women? Well, many in Russia, I know them, they're my friends. It's their culture and it's a bad one. Many in Russia, Latin America, Africa, Asia and the Middle East, you just think in Saudi Arabia, they run classes on how to beat your wife without doing permanent damage. And people say, it doesn't matter what you believe, brother, all religions are the same. That's bunkum and balderdash. Only the religion that comes from God can take you to God. You see? So, these countries that suppress and repress women are largely Roman Catholic, Muslim, Orthodox and Hindu. It's their culture, with some exceptions. A lot of good people there. But that culture is not good. Sorry. Who supports the ordination of women? Well, the great progressive countries with a Protestant background. That's who. You go, oh, no, no, it's, it's not true. All countries are. Well, hey, have you never travelled? Don't you know? What rock have you been living under? Not all countries are the same. Why do you think millions are trying to get into America? Would you like to know why? It's better here. Because we have a better culture. And our culture is based on the Protestant Bible. I know the liberals don't believe this, but I don't believe in what the liberals say anyhow. If the liberals were in charge, the world quickly would be hell. So I don't care if I'm politically correct or not. So take that. <laughs> okay. Who supports the ordination of women? The great progressive countries with a Protestant background. America. Canada. How many are stampeding to get out of those countries to go down south? <laughs> Australia. 
New Zealand, the Scandinavian countries. They are now in the minority in the world church and the views of the third world prevail. It's not a case of what the Bible says. It's a case of who has the votes. <laughs> My appeal is to forget the votes and to follow the Bible. Is that too much to ask? What should I do if, as a woman, I feel compelled to preach, teach and win souls? Well, firstly, you should come and see me and ask me do I approve. <laughs> you ladies should not speak at all. You should ask your husband, no, folks, don't mess up. Don't confuse the eternal word of God with temporary customs. Does anybody here want to bring back slavery? Well, you can prove it from the Bible, from the customs. You want to bring back polygamy? Some say, yes, yes, yes. The law of God never changes, but the foolish customs of men do. And we are in a country that is an enlightened country. What should I do if, as a woman, I feel compelled to preach, teach, and win souls? Number one, I should not get bent out of shape. It's not worth it. God's in charge. Number two, I should not be a schismatic. I should not say, well, because the church doesn't do this, I'm just going to go away and I'm going to sulk. No, not worth it. Don't let pettiness put you down. Number three, I should recognise that many believe that ordination as now practised is not biblical anyhow. Oh, what a heresy. One of the leaders of the church went public on this. A lot of us have been following this mumbo-jumbo of the Catholic Church. You get this special power. Now you can, you know, you're better than everybody else. The clergy and the laity. That's Roman Catholic through and through. It is a heresy. It is a lie. The Bible talks about the laity, the laos. It includes the ministry. Number four, was I counting? I should keep on keeping on. I should be obedient to the heavenly vision like the lady pastors in China. I should be, number six, I should be like John Wesley's mother who preached on in spite of her husband's objections. The Reverend Samuel Wesley, a church of England divine. He discovered that his wife was out preaching and winning souls. And so he said, I forbid you. She said, dearest husband, unless you forbid me in the name of God and take the responsibility upon yourself, I plan to keep on preaching. And she kept on preaching. The mother of John Wesley. Mark 3, 14 and 15. Look at it again. Mark 3. Then he appointed, doesn't say ordained, he appointed 12 that they might be with him, that he might send them out to preach 
and to have power to heal sicknesses and to cast out demons. And no person should accept ordination or this special appointing unless he is a preacher on fire for God. Otherwise, you're following the traditions of men that aren't worth anything. He appointed them for a special purpose. They were all men because it was the prevailing Jewish custom. What would you expect? Jesus didn't do away with the customs. He gave laws that if followed would bring about liberty. Sometimes it's taken 2,000 years and a lot of people still haven't caught up. If he were here today, the 12 apostles, I believe, would include women. John 3.16 has cancelled Genesis 3.16. Did you hear it? Genesis 3.16 has been cancelled by John 3.16. And the curse has been abolished. And all the people, men and women said, Amen Amen. and amen and thank you, Jesus, and help us to put aside our stubbornness and to walk in the light of the Lord. Amen and amen. Amen. Greater Manila is more than 20 million souls. Almost all these beautiful people are ignorant of the true gospel of Christ. Manila needs Jesus. 35 years ago, John Carter came to Manila. Pastor Carter is returning to Manila with an urgent assignment. Preach the gospel of Christ and the great truths of the Bible. Don't water down the message. Make it plain, make it clear, make it Christ-centered. The Carter Report needs your help now to light a fire in the Philippines. Your gift will help open the doors of bondage, smash the chains of sin, and open the gates of paradise to thousands of lost souls. The churches have sent out an urgent plea for the Carter Report to return. Help us proclaim the true gospel of Christ to the beautiful Filipino people. Please send your support to the address on the screen, visit our website, or call the Carter Report. The Antichrist is in the temple of God. I will read you the actual words of the great Roman Catholic Church. More than a billion people pray to the dead. But the Bible talks very plainly about good angels and bad angels. Why on earth were you and I born. This DVD series from John Carter will be yours with a gift of $50 US or $70 Australian. Write to us at the address on the screen. Visit carterreport.org, your home for inspirational teaching.
copy of today's program, please contact us at P.O. Box 1900, Thousand Oaks, California, 91358. Or in Australia, contact us at P.O. Box 861, Terrigal, New South Wales, 2260. This program is made possible through the generous support of viewers like you. We thank you for your continued support. May God richly bless you.